Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the all-new Razor Guide Pack from Outdoor Edge has it all. Coming in at only 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip and zip saw for wood or bone. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. The Houseman XP Podcast Network is taking you on the journey. Your host, Master Trainer Heath Hyatt, will combine his decades of experience as a houndsman and as a professional trainer that will light the path forward and make our packs lighter on this lifelong journey to become better hunters and houndsmen. There are no shortcuts, so lace up those boots and grab a dog leash. The journey begins now. Hey guys, the journey on Houndsman XP is teamed up with Go Wild. Go Wild is a social media platform that was made for hunters by hunters. If you guys and gals have listened to any of the other podcasts that I've been on, you know what a huge outdoor enthusiast I am. I love being in the woods with my hounds. There's nothing more exciting than hearing the thunder of a spring gobbler. I love fishing for trout in the brooks and the streams, and I love being on the river chasing that ever-elusive fish of a thousand cast, the muskie. Go Wild is the place that I can post my trophies, hunts, and memories without being censored. But Go Wild is so much more than that. It's a place to share your stories, sharpen your skills, hone your tactics, get gear reviews, and shop for anything outdoors. When you make a purchase from the Go Wild store, everything is free shipping. Anything that you purchase anywhere in the country, no matter how big, free shipping. So go down to the show notes, click on the Go Wild link at the bottom, and get signed up today. And let's go wild. On today's episode of The Journey, we're going to walk back a little bit. Uh, We've had several um, questions some people inquiring about um, different stages of puppy development. So I've just decided that we are going to do a podcast on puppy development. Let's give a shout out. Yeah. To who? Leon? Leon Brown. Yes. Leon was the one that actually asked that we do this. Um, Like I said, I've had several questions since we started the, the pup date one about what about this, what about that, how do I do this. We're not going to get in a lot of the training part of it. Um, We're going to talk about the developmental stages. Um, I'm probably going to work from weaning stage up to um, six months old, but I'm going to give you some information from six to 18 months old because I think it's very important. So, yeah, I mean, that's what we're going to do today and – Hopefully it'll help people. And, you know, I just want to throw this out there. I, guys, this, everybody has things that works for them and doesn't work for them. And people's tried this and it works and they stay with that. And that's, 
Um, we don't want you to change things, or we're not telling you to change things that you're doing already that's being successful. This is just a unless w- it's wrong. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> See, I, I do a lot of things wrong. <laughs> I'm I am like by trial by error, and I'm like in front of the firing squad. You know, one thing that we haven't we haven't done. It's like um, we we just recorded a podcast for the Houndsman XP podcast. Well, actually, that's the. Uh, Ask Me Anything podcast, and we never did introduce who people are listening to. Yeah. You would think they probably get tired of listening to me. I know. I get tired of it, but but maybe somebody's tuning in for the yeah. first time. So your host, Heath Hyatt from Appalachian American. We're down here in southwestern Virginia. Yep. In the hills. We're in the hills, and Chris Powell is with us. We've been down doing a little bear chasing. Yep. Had some had some success so far. Be happy. I hope tomorrow goes good too. But it's part of hunting. But yeah, we're just um, we're gonna like I said, we're just gonna dive into this and have a discussion about it. Um, and back to what I was saying, you know, it's not it's not the way. It's a way. It's not um, the only way, right? You can there's you know you've heard us say it, and if you've been in hounds and dogs long enough, there's a lot a, of it. A lot of it's a different way, Heath. You know, it's mm-hmm. a lot of what you're bringing to the podcast is uh, stuff that most people haven't ever had access to. When you start talking about people who train dogs for a living, like at the HITS conference that you went to, mm-hmm. and the people you get to interact with and talk to and, and all that stuff, this is all, there's a lot of new information here, and and I'm just extremely happy that that you're gathering that stuff because we've said it before dog training is dog training mm-hmm. dogs think alike there's some diff- minor differences and nuances to what we do but the behavioral aspect of it how they respond to pressure and different things it's all the same mm-hmm. yeah it's just a different the different um facets or the the tasks that we're asking them to do and how we apply that usage to them. But yeah, this is just an opinion um, and some advice. It's nothing that you got to take to the bank and it's, you know, it's the gospel. It's not because everybody has ways of doing things. Um, I'll talk to you about some of the things that I've done that I've been successful with. And I'll talk to you about some of the things that I have not been successful with. And I think we, you know, we learn through failure. That's where we get our best learning from is, yeah, I tried this and that didn't work or, you know, I did this with the dog and completely screwed it up and now I'm having to start over with another dog. So, you know, that's our best the best teacher is failure. How many times have you been through that? I mean, how many, how many lessons do you remember when you're a kid? When you're a kid and you're reflecting back on your childhood and you think, man, I remember when uh, I did this and and – it was a good experience, and I learned so much from it. Never. You always remember that time that you did something stupid, like the time that I jumped off the barn roof and was jumping onto the chicken house unawares. <laughs> you know, because there, there's only like a six-foot gap. It's an easy easy jump to make. But I didn't take into account the morning dew. No. Oh, man. You mm-hmm. hit the top of the chicken house, you bust your butt, and then you slide off the chicken house, and you fall 10 feet. Mm-hmm. I remember that lesson pretty clearly. <laughs> yeah. Bad judgment. Yes. I just remember getting my butt handed to me by my parents a 
constantly. I guess that's how bad I was. I remember <laughs> I remember the D's. I picked up the Board of Education. My dad just passed. One of the things that was left in his estate was a big wooden paddle. He called it the Board of Education. Mm-hmm. I remember the D's. Yep. Yeah, those were the there's were the good days. I think society's gotten away from that. Yeah. <laughs> Probably need more of it. But yeah, so let's dive into some puppy puppy development. Um again, a lot of this is gonna depend on you who are raising the pups and then uh we we we're gonna talk a little bit about the difference in raising a single pup as to raising a whole litter. Um because that death definitely has a bearing on the 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 rate at which they learn um if they learn it as a pack or they learn as an individual so i'm going to run through a couple stages real quick um just so everybody understands where we're at um when you talk about the the developmental stages um stage 1 is the is basically the neonatal period 0 to 2 weeks puppies don't know nothing can't see can't smell can't hear um they're basically relying on mom and 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 feed. That's it. And then the stage two would be the transitional period, which is two to four weeks. That's where the that's where some learning starts to take mm-hmm. place. Um, you know, they start <clears throat> opening their eyes. They start to hear their personalities to be, begin to develop. Um, they start to learn to walk and bark and tail wag. And so that transitional period um, is kind of the start of life. Yeah. Even though they've been born for two weeks. And that varies. I mean, some people see it 10 days. Some people see it 15, 14, 16 days. So it varies. So I'm not saying that it's got to be that that exactly. I'm pretty sure Yog Terriers are advanced <clears throat> learners. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Um, then you have stage three, which is your socialization period, which is about three to 12 weeks. Um, I think that 12 to 16 weeks is the most important in the developmental stage. But basically, we talk about the socialization period. Um, usually between 7 and 12 weeks, a single puppy, that's when you usually pick your puppies up and you take them home. So this is their, you know, the change is pretty rapid because they went from this environment, now they're going to a different environment. Um, you know, they become aware of their surroundings, they start having some fears. They start learning noises. You know the the, the normal things that takes place um, at your at your house and in your environment. Um, and usually they adapt pretty quickly um, because they're younger when they do that. Um, so yeah, seven to nine weeks in that in that socialization period, um, they have their full senses, and I mean. They're ready to, to take on the world. Um, stage four, we'll call it stage four, uh, which is three to six months, which is basically a testing period. And I don't mean that for, like, this is when you test your dog. Yes, you can. And you've heard me talk about it on the podcast, and Ariel talk about it. Um, that's when we do some flirt pole training, and we mm-hmm. or training, or, you know, stimulation to see what we have. Um, but... That testing period basically means this is when they start to the the, the adults start enforcing that manners. Mm-hmm. They make a dog mind. They put them in they put them in pack order. Um, you can start having you know problematic behaviors at this point. So that stage three to six months, which is your twelve weeks to well, how many ever weeks that is? What twenty four? Twenty? Yeah. Um, that's when 
they're testing their their litter mates. Or if you're at home, they're te- you know you I've had pups that if you have children around, you know they're biting, they're pulling on their jeans, they're doing this, they're doing that. They're treating that that person just as a pack, a part a per- part of their pack. And, you know, that's when that nipping and the biting and stuff takes a place, and you've got to let them know that it's unacceptable, um, period. But that's that, that's the testing period for, for them. And then we get into stage five, which is six to 18 months. And you've heard me talk about this before. This is that, this is that juvenile delinquent stage. Yeah. You know, they're adolescents. Um, you know, they are doing all kinds of things. You know, this is when the chewing really takes place. If, yeah. you, if you're, you know, like I let my pups run loose and they chew everything up around the house. I mean, it's, it's amazing crazy. what they can find. You'll yes. find in the yard. It's like, where did you get this? Yes. These dogs have. How did you find it? They've drug in stuff. I don't know. My neighbors are probably missing half their stuff because <laughs> they've got them all. But, you know, they start marking. Um, they Sometimes some dogs will become less friendly at that point stage because they're kind of mature and, and they kind of find their independence. Um, I've noticed that in that uh, blue tick pup that I got there at the house I call Whip. The reason he stayed at my house is because when it came to be all of a sudden at, at weaning age, mm-hmm. a little bit, of, you know, right in that time, all of a sudden it was kind of like, whoop. Mm. You know, I saw that change. He was super friendly, super <clears throat> everything. And, and right about eight <clears throat> weeks old and people started picking up pups. And uh, I started seeing a change in behavior and I had to start hand feeding and stuff to take it, get him over his shyness. Mm-hmm. Have my wife doing it. It made her mad for a long time. She thinks she's a dog whisperer, and mm-hmm. he wouldn't go on walks with her and different stuff. And he was real bonded to me. So I got a little bit of mileage on mm. that. But and also during this period, this is something to think about. This is when you start seeing sometimes. Sometimes you see that dog aggression taking a mm. you know dog on dog aggression. So yeah, um, that's it. And you got to remember, six to eighteen months is a juvenile. It's a juvenile. It's an adolescent. Yeah. And, and a lot of our dog, we you know, we talk about it all the time. You know, when I got a dog, my pup, my my young dogs are eighteen months old right now. Yeah, they're a year and a half exactly. And you know, we we had a conversation today about it. You know, I absolutely trust them, Zillow, none, zilch. <laughs> but they, you know, sometimes they do good, and sometimes they look like a juvenile delinquent. That's what they look like. So that's that's something you know. During that period, you got to be you got to be cognizant of. Um, I want to talk about fear periods because a lot of people don't understand that dogs go through those those fear mm-hmm. places. Um, the first one usually takes place between 8 and 10 weeks, and that's usually when they go to a new home. Yeah. Um, so, and, and that's when I should have <clears throat> put my plug in about whip, Yeah. you know, in that fear period mm-hmm. and how it, it developed right then. And There's I mean, a distrust of people. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They, you know, that's, that's, this is a very important part of puppy development. Um, if it's handled wrong, that's when you can start seeing, if it's handled wrong at at these ages that I'm going to tell you, that's where a lot of, um, pet dogs start becoming aggressive Mm. because they're, it's fear. They're biting out of fear or they're being aggressive out of fear. So if it's not handled properly, but eight to 10 weeks, sometimes you'll see it between four and six months. Um, Nine months, and then that 14 to 18 months. Those are the periods that you want to see, um, you know, if they're, if they're com- becoming uh, fearful. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll see the, the, the shaking, um, backing away, hiding, running away. I have actually, I mean, I've seen this play out in mine. 
um, at about six, a, a dog that I had, and we was just talking about him. Um, but it was about 16 months old when it was like he flipped. I'm like, dude, what's going on with you? Yeah. Um, and I'm not proud to say this. I don't like it, but he's hard. For me, I can catch him. For you to go catch him is not so much. And I don't like that. I don't like it at all. I have worked with it, uh, with him. Anybody that's here at the house can, and the girls can catch him like no problem. Mm -hmm. Like he's bam attached to them. Um, for me, not so much. Um, and now he's 22, 22 months old. Um, and like I said, today when he crossed the road, they couldn't get their hands on him. I had to go down there and holler. And here he comes. Right. Um, and I, I don't like that. I do not that. I don't like that quality in a dog. Um, so anyway, it is what it is. But that was that twelve to or fourteen to, to eighteen months a age that fear period. Well, I, a lot of old timers didn't want people catching their dogs back in the fur booms and stuff like that because dogs were being stolen and yeah. came up missing and different things. Mm -hmm. But when's the last time you can remember that somebody? thinks or claims that they had a dog stolen while they were out hunting. It's been a long time for me. Uh, I mean, we get posed quite often. If you yeah, think but I mean, I mean, local. Oh, I'm, here. Uh, yeah, I mean, you watch the news and it seems like everybody's getting shot yeah. in the streets, but, yeah, uh, well, you know, local. I, I, I I'm don't, not saying it doesn't happen. Right. But yeah. to to encourage that type of behavior for the fear that it might happen. Yeah. Man, I don't see the benefits of that at all. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd much rather hot rod a rooster be able to catch my dog yeah. down the mountain. Especially in or out in the road. Yeah, out in the road or, or, yep. or you know, I'm up like today. I was walking into another tree and mm -hmm. they're catching my dog down the mountain mm -hmm. on another bear and yours. Yeah. And yeah, I want them to be able to do that because if they, if they don't, there's a real good chance I'm going to lose track yep. of them at that point. Yeah. No, and I, yeah, that's I'm with you, and I, I do not like it. And um, you guys know that I, I spend a lot of time with the dogs trying to overcome the stuff barriers like that. And I have worked with him, and worked with him, and worked with him. And now by the end of season, by the end of season, that it'll be it will it will be a do doable. Mm -hmm. But then after you know I, you know he's here with me for the next nine months, it goes right back right back to it. Same thing he did last year. So. Groundhog's day. Yeah. Groundhog day. Yep. So, all right, let's get, let's get, let's go backwards now and let's really talk about the pups. And, you know, Leon's question was, you know, at what stages should we be seeing what behaviors and what, what should we be doing and expecting from those pups? Again, I'm going to put this disclaimer out. A lot of things go into effect here. So the first thing that I feel like is the most important tidbit is are you are you raising a litter, and are you raising it single? The second part of that is, are you able to let the dogs run loose? Like where I live, you know, I let my pups the the you know the the litter I just raised the the A's, they literally run loose until they was picked up by their you know where Forrest and West got theirs. They was run they run loose all day. When I got up in the morning, they were out. Until uh, until dark, and I've got I don't even know what I'm gonna call this pup out here, but the pup <laughs> that I've got now. This morning when we we left, he was out, yeah, and he's still out, and I'll put him up at dark. That helps a dog work at their own pace, 
it allows a dog to investigate and explore and do things at his own pace. And it, I feel like, through my experience, that the dogs mature faster when they're able to do that. It's self-discovery. We've talked about self-discovery a lot on this podcast. You know, letting the dogs figure it out for themselves. Um, so that with that question being said, are you are you able to let the dog run loose? And I know a lot of people aren't. You know, some of the questions that I had come to me after some of the podcast was, you know, well, I can't where I live. I, I'm not. I can't turn a dog loose. It's a common problem. I'm I'm blessed. I mean, I I haven't whip. <laughs> I, he is four months old now, and he has been locked. I'm, he's running loose at my house right now, mm-hmm. and doesn't know what's inside the kennel. If I put him in the kennel, it's like. What am I? That's that's a new adventure for him. Mm-hmm. But talking about at their own pace. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of nights where I'll just hunt right from my house, and with pups running loose, if they decide to go, they can go. If they don't want to go, I'm not trying to entice them to go. Um, same way with when when I'm training dogs and roading them and and stuff. I've got a course there set up that I. If they decide they want to go, that's fine. I may make a couple laps, and I'll look over across the creek, and Whip's sitting over there in front of the barn. It's like, I've had enough of that crap. I'm sitting over here and watching you all go go through all that. Mm-hmm. But it's it's all at their own pace, and I'm talking 24 hours a day, uh, just letting them figure it out. Mm-hmm. And as they are going through that, and I'm watching, and I see little things, and I see – you know, you learn so much by being able to watch those pups. And I mm-hmm. I call it seeing those moments of greatness. Mm. You know, you see those moments of greatness or brilliance where you know it's in there and it's my job to bring it out. I saw that, you know. But, yeah, running loose is huge. But yeah. what about the person that can't? Because it's a rare thing. Yes. So if you cannot let your dogs loose, like, you know, like a lot of people are able to, you have, you are, you are going to be required if you want to, um, have a, a good, a good pup and a good solid foundation. You're going to be required to spend as much time as you can with that pup. And then that goes back to your commitment. You know, are you committed to when you're home on Saturdays and Sundays, are you, are you willing to, you know, spend four or five hours a day, you know, with that dog, you know, if I, and I have been in that situation and I, you know, when I was doing that, my dogs went everywhere with me Them puppies. I picked them up, put them in the front seat. When I went to town, they went with me. When I went to the, you know, to taking the trash to the dump, they went with me. When I was running errands, they went with me. So any opportunity that I had to spend with that dog, I did. And also that I was showing them new environments yeah, um, but I want to I want to go back um, to the age. Um, you know, seven to twelve weeks old is usually when we get our puppies if we're going singles. Um, and what I mean singles is you're getting us. You, you're going. I'm going to your house, Chris, and I'm buying a pup from you or getting a pup from you, and I'm taking it home. That usually happens between that seven and twelve weeks. Don't forget about if you're able to let their dogs run loose. This is a great time to crate train your dogs because they are able to adapt and learn faster. Um, and then that doesn't cause anxiety and nervousness and some of the, the problems that we have in kennels later on in life. 
Um, so, I th- one thing that I've noticed in the last ten years is competition coon hunters. Those dogs don't sleep in the box anymore. They go in the hotel room and they're mm-hmm. in a crate. Mm-hmm. So this is why it's so crucial to understand crate training. I've had dogs before that I picked up, and you bring them in and put them in a crate. Next thing you know, they're standing at the standing at the side of the crate trying to pee on the house plant that's five mm. five feet away. They didn't understand what <clears throat> they didn't understand the restrictions there. <clears throat> yeah. So yeah, I'm not trying to make this a crate training thing, but. For anybody sitting out there poo-pooing crate training, there's some real benefits to that. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, I, 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 I have moved mine, but the last pup that I raised before this litter, uh, a dog called J.J., and J.J. stayed in the house in a crate every night mm-hmm. until he was a year old. And he was he's he was quiet as a mouse. You never knew that dog was in here. But he also run loose in the yard until he was probably 10 months old, eight or 10 months old. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, crate training is good for a lot of things. You know, we talked today, we answered some questions about barking in the box and stuff like that. And that crate, that crate is a perfect uh, area to, to curve some of that behavior. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I believe in crate training. Um, I, I haven't had any of the last pups in here that I've, that I've had the last three that I've, that I've got here, I haven't had them in. I've had them in the house, but I haven't had them in a crate. Um, but something else that I have seen too with Carrie asked me if Tuff was sleeping in the bed with me. <laughs> <laughs> you say uh, no, <laughs> <clears throat> but I've noticed too when I raise pups that I'm I let run loose, they're a lot cleaner in a pen. They do not like to. You're go. darn right. They do not like to go in the pen. Even the little little dog that I have now, he's um, 14 weeks old, um, and I want to get back to him too, just in a second. Like he he'll as soon as you let him out, bam, he's going over in the field and he's yeah. using the bathroom. Um, so that's that, a good thing. Yeah, I mean, you're yeah, not I mean, do, you're not scattering them with the mower, you're not stepping yeah. in them, mm-hmm. you know, and you're not cleaning them out of the kennel. Yeah, and I mean, I really like I like a clean I like a clean dog. I do too. Most of us do. I mean, I don't I, like painters. <laughs> one one thing, a lot of this, if if you're raising puppies, and you're allowing that that puppy pen to get so messy that they've got to walk through it, mm-hmm. they just get used to it. You're I, I found <clears throat> that you have problems with that the rest of that dog's life. If mm. they're a turd grinder. It's you. I've seen it so many times that, and I'm. I don't know how to say this without making it sound like uh, downgrading some houndsmen out there. But I've picked up pups in places, and I thought, man, you know, when's the last time you cleaned the kennel out? A little rough. A little rough. Mm-hmm. And uh, but again, I think it goes back. They're, not, they're probably not able to turn those dogs loose. And when you have six or eight puppies, it's, I'm just it's talking, overwhelming. Yeah. I'm just talking about the, you know, a little tip here. Keep your puppy clean pens clean where they're not walking through it, mm-hmm. and they'll go out of their way. It's like, oh, I'm not stepping in that. It's mm-hmm. weird. I've mm-hmm. I've noticed that about every one of my yeah last three litters that I've raised. Yeah, they're clean. They're clean in the kennel later when you keep that puppy pen cleaned up. Yeah. All right. So let's go back to the to the development and what stages or what we should be looking for at what at what ages. 
So, again, if you're letting your dogs run loose, they're going to tell you. Like, you're going to see them, you know, out here out here chasing the rabbits. Okay, mm-hmm. well, I know I'm at this point. I can do this. Um, if you're not, if you're having to keep the dog um, in a pen and, and spend two well, What are you going to do? If you see a dog chasing a rabbit, mm-hmm. what is this? What do you, I, Okay, I know I can do this. What is that? Well, I know that his maturity level is starting to peak. I know that now, okay, now he's interested in scent. He's using his natural instinct. And that dog is developing where I know that it's not too long he's going to be ready for the woods. Mm-hmm. But that's me. Like I said, I, I don't get in a big rush. Like I said, my pups are six months, a little over, right at, they're over, a little over six months old, not seven yet. And, you know, I'm carrying them, one, you know, I'm carrying them with me one at a time. And I'm walking them into, I'm not turning them loose on races yet. Why only? Why are you only packing one at a time? So an old timer told me this: if you got two pups, you're training half a pup. If you got three pups, you're training no pups. <laughs> so I used to tell my son that you know when you're alone, you got a half a brain. When there's when you got a friend over, you got no brain. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it, it, I, you just can't. Me, I I can't effectively train three dogs at one time mm-hmm. so i'm singling them out i'm taking them one at a time and when i find the one that that that's wanting to start to go and wants to start doing and doing and doing i'll go ahead and, and i'll single that pup out and take it till it's running and training and doing what it should consistently and then i'll add the second that's yeah. that's just me um like i said trying to take three of them at one time is nothing but a headache and um, you're a professional trainer Oh, well, I don't know about that, but that's what it says. You get paid to do it. That's what it says, yeah. You're stealing checks or what? Yeah. Um, So, yeah, so depending on if you can let them run loose or or in a pen um, makes a big difference. All right, so we are going to start from 8 to 12 weeks old. So we've got a four-week period there. All right, what should should I be doing with my pup? What, What should I look for or where should I expect to be? Um, again, let's go back to running loose or in a pen. There's where I start, um, doing some food scatters, having them using their nose. Um, I take them to some different locations. Describe a food scatter. That's where I'm taking a handful of food. Um, like I posted some pictures and we've talked about, and I'll scatter it out in the yard and I do it in different places. Sometimes I do it a day or two. And then the next time I do it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm teaching them to use their nose to keep their nose down and start searching. I'm I'm starting a hunting. Um, I'm imp- I'm imprinting the hunting habit. Mm-hmm. They've already got it. I'm just I'm just reinforcing it. Yeah, I'm just good um, positive association. Bringing positive it to the surface. Yeah. So the second thing that I'm looking for at this age, eight to twelve weeks, um, is I'm starting to see the dogs. And again, if you've got a single puppy, it's hard because you can't look at the whole litter. But if you've got a single puppy, you know, look for behaviors. Look, you know, when you when you change the location of that food, ask, see if he's using his nose. See if he's picking his nose up and saying, okay, oh, it's over here. And you see him wander off and he goes right to it and starts, you know, picking it around and, and getting his reward. Um, if he's not doing it and you have to walk him in that direction and, and coax him, you know, we talked about it on Cameron's podcast. That's inference. You know, I'm helping the dog along. I'm not doing it for him, but I'm giving him guidance. Um, so, anyway, that's some things that I do at that period. 
uh, I, you know, of course, I put collars, start working the collars, and that's a good time to do a little bit of lead training if you if you want to. Um, I typically wait a little bit longer, but, um, you know, you go to these hunts. We were at Grand America this year and was down there, and, these you know, these kids were leading these, you know, 10-week-old puppies around. Dragging, dragging the them pads. Up. Yeah, dragging, dragging the pads off you know, of them. But, you know, they learn really quickly because yeah, they're, they they're not able to buck the system, to, so to say, at that age. One of the things I like to do in that 8- to 12-week range is tie them out. You know, we're letting them run loose, but I like to introduce them to being tied out. Mm-hmm. Put yeah. the collar on them, give them a few days with the collar, then introduce them to a good solid stake. And it doesn't have to be a real long, but it doesn't have to be too short, but a stout tie out. And there's a few reasons I do that. One, it learns they learn that they can't defeat the pressure that's being put on them. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I've found is I it if you've got a hound that's running loose and now all of a sudden they happen to get caught in an entanglement of some sort, mm-hmm. they're not going to fight it. You know, they're going to stand there and they're going they're not going to fight it. If it happens to be, you know, a wolf snare in the west. I've heard this, yeah. Yep. If it happens to be a coyote snare in the east, mm-hmm. then the chances of that dog fighting that to the end and killing themselves is is and harm or harming themselves is greatly reduced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, any type of lead pressure at that at that age is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um so so that's eight to twelve weeks. And like I said, I do a little bit of environmental changes, but I try to do that close to the house. Um, I, I it needs will, to be in a comfort area. Yeah, can't take them somewhere strange and time out. It's you're you're introducing too much to them. Right yeah, there, you're right? going to overload the dog. And, okay. and, and some dogs may be able to handle it, mm-hmm. but most, for the most part, it'll it'll probably stress them. And then you've just had a bad association with X, Y, and Z. And the next time you do that, you're going to have a bad reaction to that. So. Yeah, so eight to twelve weeks. I'm not doing a whole lot other than a little bit of environmental stuff. Um, like I said, I may haul, I may put mine up in the front seat and haul them to the to the dump. Short ride. It takes me five minutes, ten minutes total. Five minutes over, five minutes back, and that's it. Um, so not a whole lot at eight to twelve weeks, other than the few things that we talked about. I'm letting them be puppies. Right. Um, all right. So twelve to twelve to sixteen weeks. This is where I feel like the environmental stuff is very important. Any canine program or training that I've been to on the, the law enforcement side of it, um, a lot of these guys that are raising dogs to put in the police world, this is the, the most crucial stage for um, socialization. So they're introducing dogs to new noises and new um, textures on their feet, uh, new surroundings, new environments. I w- I'm hesitant to say introduce them to do- different dogs. I have mixed feelings about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think dog parks, and I, I would never suggest that for uh, anybody. But that's like going to the MMA ring. You right, know, it is. I, I don't. I don't care for fight them. nights at the dog park. Yep, I just don't agree with it. Unvaccinated, pick up a <laughs> nice disease and get your dog chewed, young dog chewed up. Yeah. So I, I caution. I err on the side of caution with. Um, introducing your dogs to other dogs um if you read up on it that's the stage that they say this is what should be done and x y and z that's when i'm telling you about my experience i prefer not to 
However, if you decide that you're going to walk, you know, a trail in the national forest. Oh yeah. You know, you got mm -hmm. them on, you got them on leash or they're, you know, and you come across somebody with a dog, that's a good time. That's a good time, you know, in a controlled situation to be yeah. able to do that. Yeah. Don't overwhelm them. Um, especially right. if you don't know the other dogs. I also, during this, this 12 to 16 weeks, this is when I like to introduce my dogs to water. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't force them, but I'll go find a small, I mean, you could use a mud puddle in your driveway, honestly, you know, just, you know, coax them over to it or let them, you know, let them, you know, do it on their own. I always try to take, I've got a, a couple of small streams here that literally I can step across, like step across and I use those streams. I'll take my dogs down and they're close to my house or right over the hill I take my dogs down, and I do what you just said. We just go for a walk, and I'll jump across it, and Maddie will jump across it, and most of the time, one or two of them will plow on it, and it's only like three or four inches deep. Right. It's not nothing that they can't handle. That's like retriever uh, training. When you're when you're starting a uh, young retriever on, on water retrieves, mm -hmm. you take them to shallow water. Yeah. You know, they're not overwhelmed at that point. Yeah. I do the same thing at my house. I've got a pretty broad creek down there, but it's shallow, uh, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times. So it's you know, ankle deep to me and I'll just walk across the creek. The puppies will follow me down there. I'll just walk across the creek and I'll just go there and sit down yep. on a rock. And, and one of them will start to come across yep. and then another one and then three or four will come and then here they all come. Yeah. Yeah. They'll, yeah. And especially in the pack, the pack mentality with them. If you've got a, if you've got a couple, if you have a single and you only have one pup, it may take you two or three times. Mm -hmm. Don't be in a rush. Don't don't pick the dog up and throw him in the water. Yeah, I mean, even if that thing's only toenail deep to yeah. him. Yeah, don't don't force him. You just created a bad association. And I know, Lord, when I started, I mean, I can't tell you the dogs that I picked up and threw in the middle of a pond. Yeah. Sink or swim. Yeah. You know, I will not do that anymore. And right. I haven't done it for years. <laughs> but that's, you know, that's I, I try to it I try to do the best I can with them introduce them to as many environments and as many noises and situations as you can that you can at that age that they can handle that's very important if you see the dog stressing um you know the dog starts being reluctant to do things with you you probably need to back up a little bit mm -hmm. give that dog some little bit of time to mature we all know that dogs mature at a different speed so at that age do what you can as much as you can at the dog's pace, oh, does that make sense? Yep. I mean, don't like I said, don't don't force it. What do you do? What do you do if you you're you know you've raised pups, I raised a litter of pups. We got a lot of people out there that might be getting their first pup, and on that water deal, um, and they got a puppy that won't cross the water, won't do it, just won't do it. Period. Yeah, he's just he's like sitting over there whining, he's crying, he's. Mm. He's doing all that sort of stuff. You want to introduce him to the water. What's your advice for that person? That's an envi and it doesn't have to be water. It can be any environmental type thing. Maybe it's it's walking on going from grass to walking on that slick floor floor because slick floors are huge. Yeah, we're, especially we're, in the police world. Yeah, mm -hmm. we're going to we're going to the farm and fleet store and I'm, they allow dogs and I'm taking him with me and you walk in there and he well, locks up. Yeah, you know, well, or the vet's office. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the vet's office, but a lot of times it's not so much the the floor; it's the environment. Uh huh. Um, so I'll back I'll back up and say, for the police side of it, this is easy, because what I do is I get their favorite toy out, 
and mm-hmm. I I come through the threshold of the door, or let's just use a let's just use a vet's office. And if this was a police dog, I'd come through the threshold, I'd swing the toy or play with the toy. The dog would come and get the toy. We'd play in the threshold, and I'd let him go out. And then I'd come back, and I would repeat this over and over and over, many, many sessions in 15 minutes. This may be, you know, I may be able to get 15 sessions in or 10 sessions in. And then the next thing I do is I take the toy and I throw it in the in the vet's office. The dog goes in and gets it, runs back to me. We play at the threshold, and he goes out. And then I repeat that, and the next thing you know, the dog's he don't think about it. Mm-hmm. Now hounds a little right. different, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I'm not. You know, most people out there, it's like I don't care if my hound goes to the farm and fleet store or not. Right. Um, but let's say the dog won't cross the water. I'm going to downsize that water or that that area that area as much as I can. Um, and if the downsizing don't work, then I'm. I am going to set up a scenario where I'm going to give him options, and the only the only option to be to self satisfy him because we know dogs only do stuff the gratification for them. That's mm-hmm. it. You know, we think we we do this and that. <laughs> we don't. You know, the dog does it for himself. They're selfish. Yeah. Um, so I may I may cut his food back a day or two and just feed him a handful of food, and in that day take his food and put it on I show it to him I step over the water I put it on the other side he's got choices and most of the time the dog's going to pick the choice that benefits him and mm-hmm. it's food now if yeah. he's not hungry it's not going to work yeah if you so got him on I, a self feeder every day and, and yeah. he's fat and sloppy so I may cut his food back a little bit um I'm not advocating starving dogs nothing like that I'm just saying that you know I, I cut their food back. I make it where he's hungry, and then I would take that, and that would be the first step that mm-hmm. I would try. Um, if it's like I said, if it's a water crossing, that that that's what I would do. If it's an environmental thing, um, I mean, I, I've had this situation with a young dog, and I'll just um, we we talked about this today too, hauling a dog in a box and taking him hunt, and it's a young dog, and at your house the dog's solid, like. Bam, 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 bam. Does everything, <laughs> and you haven't done what you sh- you know you haven't taken those extra that 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 twelve to four to sixteen weeks, and done the exposures that you should have, and now you've thrown the dog in the dog box. You drove drove it thirty minutes, an hour, hour and a half to go hunting, and you turn a bunch of dogs loose and they run off the back of your tailgate, hooray to rail, barking every breath, and that pups in there going, what in the world just happened? And so you open the dog box and he's in the back of the dog box. He don't okay. want to come out. Well, here's how I handle that situation is I open my dog box and I walk away. I let the dog do it. It may take me two or three days to get him where he comes out on a tailgate and, oh, okay, this isn't so bad. And then the next day he's down, he's running and, and go forth. So back to the the question or the that, that scenario, put them in the environment and let them figure self-discovery. Let them do it on their own. Don't, don't cause and don't try to – calls negative association i used to force way too much stuff oh <laughs> you know it was just one of those deals it's like no i'm telling you that this is what's going to happen and we're going to do it right now mm-hmm. and um back to the swimming deal i throw i can't tell you yeah. the dogs i throw in the pond it's just i don't know what is it i mean is it just a lack of experience is it our age is it is it a combination of everything is it well, I'm not in setting a, our ways. I think for me, I can tell you. I mean, it's been the education I've got on the, the canine side of the, mm-hmm. the at law enforcement, the training. 
that I've received over the last 10 years. And, you know, we all change. We all grow. And I don't, I don't get as tore up and mad about things that don't go my way because I understand that it's a process. You know, times that I got aggravated or impatient were usually when I've got my pup and I've, I've been telling my buddies about my pup and, and I'm excited about my pup. And then that first time that you take them out hunting and they don't do nothing, they don't do anything or you're having problems. Now your ego is riding on that pup. And so you get frustrated and then you try to, you, you force your will on it. So really what you're doing is you're transferring your own ego onto this little pup that doesn't know that doesn't doesn't deserve it. And it goes right back to that old saying, you know, a man's ego is a heavy a burden for a hound to bear. I was gonna say the exact same thing. It is. It is. All right, so we've got from twelve to sixteen weeks. Um put put the dog in as many environments, noises, different surroundings, things that he can appropriately handle. And, you know, a few tips real quick on stressors. You know, licking lips, yawning, um, ears back, even with a hound, floppy-eared dogs, those ears will ride back towards the back of the head, tail tucked. Um, of course, we know shaking. You know, all that stuff is is signs of, of stress and nervousness. If you see that, just tell yourself, slow down. Mm-hmm. Just Just stop. Slow down. Let the dog work it out. And like I said, this may take a couple days. It may take a week. It may take two weeks. But let the dog do it at his own pace, and you will benefit from that greatly. So 12 to 16 weeks, that's where we're at. Now we're at, you know, four months to four months to six months. Mm-hmm. All right, so I start – well, I've already started my recalls. Let's go back. Yeah. I need to back way up. Um, <laughs> From the first day that I put food down, hard food for my puppies at weaning age, whatever that may be, I mean, it differs, it varies because of the moms. Uh, the pups that we that I just raised, um, I was going to wean them at eight weeks old, and she was cutting them off at about six and a half. Jazz cuts them off at about four. Nah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. She's like, I'm done. I love you guys, but I'm done with this. Yep. So I start my recall that day. The day that I start feeding them food, um, and we're going to get to food and, and worm or stuff in just a second because I think it's an port, a part, a important part of the puppy development. But I start my recall right then, um, whether it be with me hollowing, you know, yelling at the pups, whistling. And I start off with a soft, you know, you know, come on. Um, I start off with that, and that grows from that time and that time and that time. So now we're at four months old, and those dogs are venturing. I'm out on a walk, and then I start I start reinforcing that recall. Mm-hmm. That's a that's kind of the stage that I start doing stuff like that. Um, every time that dog comes to me, it is a party in in his hand because I got food, I've got yeah. a treat, I've got something that that dog is excited about, mm-hmm. and, and, and along with me being excited, you know. Dad, and, and this goes to the canine training. You know, we, you've been there. You know that, you know, when you praise that dog, you better sound like a, a four-year-old Mickey girl. Mouse. That's right. And the reason, and I'll tell people the reason why we do that is because when they're in the pack and they're playing and being playful, they're yipping. And if yep. you listen to a pack of coyotes, 
Um, I mean, it's uh, you can stand out and listen to a pack of coyotes, and you can hear them start yipping and stuff. They're playing. They're having a good time. Um, so we use that high-pitched voice. Alamometic. Yeah. So the alamometic response or the, you know, that is what that, isn't that what that's <coughs> called? Uh, or is it m- I don't know. mammalian? I can't remember. I'm going to have to look it up. But there's a, a response that's actually tied to that mm-hmm. for canine training. Yeah. But yeah, so we use that. So at four, four to six months old, I'm, start, I'm, I'm reinforcing my recall, making sure it's solid. If I have problems, I go back to what Ariel and I talked about in a couple podcasts ago. You know, I use the long line. I'm, I start using the tone. Um, at that four to six months in that period, I'm I'm starting to use the tone mm-hmm. um, and pairing the tone with the recall. And you know, you can do it however you want to do it. I don't care. Uh, we don't even have to. Get, well, we won't get into that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we already covered the tone. Yeah, you, we've covered. Ariel did yeah, on yeah. the last pod, couple podcasts ago. Yeah. So. I don't care how you do it, but I pair. I start pairing the tone at that a at that that two month period. Um, I start working on different levels, like um, loading in the truck. Now, four month old puppy can't load him up my truck. He cannot mm-hmm. jump up there if he wanted to. Um, but I think it was four and a half months. It was with these pups. I made, um, I made a ramp, and yeah. and let the dogs go up and come down. I fed them. In the back of the truck, mm-hmm. I fed them in the dog box. I, um, I actually bought a platform at Hits that I can start using because it's easier than me dragging an old bench out and putting two blocks of wood under it. I bought one of the training platforms, and I can adjust the height of it. Yeah, um, and I'm going to start using that. But in fact, I've already used it with these pups too. They they they're six months old and still can't quite jump in the truck. They're just not coordinated enough. They can they can get three quarters of the way up it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I'm doing, I'm doing these little training sessions during this period, it's four to six months. That's what I'm doing. Uh, the dogs are leading. I'm teaching them to lead. That's the, that's kind of the stage that I use, but because I use food so much, um, that's kind of the, that phase when I do my lead training. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a flex pole, which is a, uh, it's a fiberglass stick. I stick it in the ground and it's got a three three foot lead tether to it, and I can put that in the ground. I can put one of the puppies to it. He can run a six foot circle. He can run against it, and it flexes and gives with him. And I, that's when I teach that lead pressure. Um, so that's the stage that I do that. Could you use one? Of, could you use one of those surf rods that's laying there? In the uh, probably, but they're yeah. ten foot, <laughs> nine or ten foot. They're long. Um, <clears throat> so that's some things that I'm doing in that four to six months. Uh, I'm taking my dogs on longer walks. We are still exploring. Um, like I said, four months, we were back here at the pond in the water. That's when I told you they hit that deer and tried to run it, you know? Yeah. So I'm, I'm doing the, the same things, but in longer and bigger increments. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've taken the little things and doing them, you know, baby steps, baby steps, and I'm starting to stretch those baby steps out. Um, taking them on rides putting them in a the dog box, and again, me, this is just my own preference, I take them on short rides. Um, in fact, I think you may have heard me say it on another podcast that I took them, they were right, they were right under six months old, and I took them to where we hunted today. That's an hour drive for me, and it worried me because they hadn't been in a truck for an hour. He's little babies. Yeah, I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't want a bad association. Right. 
you know, sling, you know, going up those curvy roads and slinging them all over the, you know. And I told you, they drooled a little bit. I did have one that used the bathroom in the truck, which is expected. Don't get mad. It, it's expected at this point because they don't know the routine. Um, but as soon as their their feet hit the tailgate and they hit the ground, bam, it was like, all right, we're, we're back at it, yeah. you know. So that was a good thing. So that four to six months, that's the stuff that I'm doing. Short rides, leading um walks longer walks in the woods um teaching your dog to get up onto the truck um like i said every and i know that we've talked about this before too but every feeding is a training session for me like every feeding i'm doing something that helps me handle um do this do that and everything else so i use those 15 minute and it could be a 15 minute opportunity you guys that have to keep your dogs in the pens because you can't turn them loose. Take that opportunity to train. 15 minutes of your evening or your morning or however you have to do it. You guys work a night shift and so on and so forth. Take that 15 minutes and use that. that it, Every feeding up to six months old should be a training session. And I know some days it's, it's pouring down rain and you got to slip them food or you're out of town or you're on vacation. Stuff, I understand. I'm not saying that. But you should take as many opportunities to train during the feeding session that you can up to six months old. Do you think, do you think sometimes we, we overthink it? We just overthink it. Cause when I think about like my daughter, Cora, um, ever since she was a little kid, I could turn her loose and she did a lot of this stuff for me. She didn't have any, mm-hmm. she didn't have any formal training. She'd never been to, you know, it was just puppy hanging out with a kid. Yep. And and, and having Maddie. This Maddie said this. Maddie's the same. Yeah. This, she said this the other day. Well, they're just living their life. Yeah. I mean, and she gets a kick out of it. Yeah. Like they're just living their best life. And yeah. I mean, that pup and that kid are living their best life. Like they have no clue. Yeah. But she is doing so much training for me that mm-hmm. I don't have to do. Maddie's, ta- you know, the kids are taking, Maddie's taking the dogs up here to the pond and walking around. She does that. I'll, t- I'll tell you what I would say um i have found i got this yog terrier you know and he's he's he just goes everywhere with me ever since he was a little bitty puppy i don't don't worry about him it's he knows when i open the door on the truck he thinks it's his and he's getting in you know Mm -hmm. and i started out by putting him in and now when I open the door, I said, let's go. You know, and I've seen cattle dogs like that. You know, some of these ranchers and stuff have never had a leash on a dog, but that dog That's is right. so loyal to them. Mm-hmm. And they're just living life, and it's like, come on, let's go. But they, that started at a very young age by making those investments in that yep. foundation. Started out with, you know, uh, a pup jumping in the truck or putting them in the truck and feeding them half a bag of Cheez-Its or, you know, yeah. whatever it is. It doesn't have to be some – it's just sometimes we just overthink this whole thing, but it all goes back to the amount of investment that you're going to make. And if you've got that 9-to-5 job or your working days or whatever, when you get home at night and you're going over to your girlfriend's house or you're going – you know, you're running to town to, to, to a hair appointment or whatever, male or female, it doesn't matter – Throw the dog in the car, take him with you, let him get to know your body language, your personality. I I swear that, that some of the dogs that my daughter has had, the ones she's got right now, understands the mood she's in just from the way she's talking on her phone. 
Go oh, yeah. going to town. Mm-hmm. You know, when she's like, you got to be kidding me. I, you know, I've seen her, that dog around the house with her, and she's on the phone. I just sit there and I watch. She's like, are you kidding me? And all of a sudden, Boomer's just like, oh. What's going on what's, now? What's going on? Mm-hmm. And then when she gets excited, Boomer's like, you know, you can see the expression on that dog's face change. Yeah. Just from being mm-hmm. with them 24, you know, as yep. much as much as they can be. Yeah. And it, and I want to go back to that four to six months. Um, a couple of these pups. Do I keep de- derailing you? No. Mm-mm. Okay. No. <laughs> a couple of these pups, I've had them out on my boat. Yeah. They're out, I mean, you've seen me post pictures. I mean, I, they're sitting on the front of the boat. Okay. That's just um, environmental aware. I mean, it's just doing environmental stuff with them. I mean, that boat's running. The wind's blowing. There's lots of noises. They're on the water. Like, they love it. But, it, again, they I know, like like you said, if, if they're at the truck wanting to get in and go, they're going. Yeah. And if they're not at the truck wanting That's to get right. in to go, they're not. They can stay here. And when they're ready next month or the month after, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, so we've got us up to six months, okay? You should be doing all those things that you can up to that age. Now – I thought we were just doing zero to six months. Well, I want to talk a little bit about from six to 18. Oh, my word. Well, again, we got to get back into I'm that, sleepy. that juvenile adolescence. All right. And, I can hang on. Yeah. So you have to remember, and guys, again, this is just advice. This is just a way, not the way. You can find, you know, one of our sayings on this show is find a way to yep. teach, train, and learn. Find a way to learn. Um, I... I'm not a big proponent at hunting my dogs. Now, if I was coon hunting, six months old, I'd have them out running them, getting them in the woods at night and doing this and doing that with them. They're, they, I don't have a big concern of a 400-pound bear running my six-month-old dog down and, and destroying it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't get in a rush. I could care less if I hunted my dogs until they was a year old on bear. That's me. That's my preference. Nobody else's. Um, there's no baby steaks on the mountain. You no, know? So no. there's nothing to prove. No. Um, I, I'm hauling my pups one at a time. Like I said, Allie walked into the tree with me today, mm-hmm. and she was a complete puppy. Yep. Complete puppy. And you Well, know, Tough walked in with me. He had no clue what was going on there. Yep. And I, I want to talk a little bit about the, the today, just so we, I can give everybody a visual of what I see and how I think. So I, the reason I don't, I'm not hunting them is because if they was able to make that race today, let's just say that they made that mile, mile and a half race. And how long were they treed before you got to them? Quite a while. They were probably treed. 45 minutes, an at hour? At least, at yeah. least. Okay. So I've got a six-month-old pup in there running around like she was doing playing with dogs whose business, mm-hmm. this is all business. They treed. They can see that thing sitting there. They don't need Allie running around trying to play with them because that's what starts dogs being aggressive. Um, I don't want my puppy that is a puppy in there carrying on with them old dogs and playing and wanting to play when they they don't want any part of that. Yeah, we're not here to play. Right. And your yeah. older dogs, I mean, most time it is your older dog. Well, I seen um Maggie get snippy with her today. Maggie's like, eh, eh. So yeah. I, I grabbed her, tied her up, got her away. But anyway, that's stuff that I see 
Um, I don't want to put my dogs in that situation, but you got to remember six to 18 months old, you're dealing with a juvenile adolescent. You are dealing with your 13-year-old kid, your 14-year-old kid. You know, they're not going to make good decisions. They are childish, you know, at that age. they got stuff going on. They've got the energy. They've got the excitement. They've got all that stuff going on. They they just don't have the maturity. Correct. So as those dogs mature, and some dogs mature, I mean, like I said, my dog's been running loose. Um, The reason I put them up is because they are literally running my neighbor's horses into the corner and baying them. Mm Mm-hmm. And I can't have that. I don't. I'm not paying a sixty-five thousand dollars horse here. I'm not doing it. Yeah. Um, so, um, I've put them up, and when I let them out, I put the collars on them, and I start correcting that behavior. And I don't want to over. I don't want to shut them down by correct, 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 correct. So that's why I've been more cautious with with them right now. I, I'm taking them hunting. If I can get them, you know, to see a bear or whatever sitting in a tree, that's fine. And if I don't. I'm okay. Well, I think there's a there's a time when these pups are running loose. Or you're going to recognize stuff that's bad. You know, John Wick used to say when they start leaving the house on their own and going and starting to run trash and stuff. You know, I think his saying was no more unsupervised time at this point. Now it's my job to step in. When we done the podcast, when I done it with Chad Wheeler and the Bird Dogs, the English Pointers. Chad, Chad used to they him and his dad used to lease a piece of property off an old guy by the name of A. D. Burton, and A. D. was old, old school, old feller, and he never tied a dog up until they started running off mm-hmm. and doing a, and he let them, he'd raise them until then, and then when he had to go start chasing them down, that's when he put them up. Just yeah. what you're saying, like now it's time for me to to start doing what I need to do. Mm-hmm. So, I think we've covered it. Um, you know that that. Eight to twelve weeks, baby steps, little things, little things that can help enhance the the hunting behavior. Um, dropping food on the ground, um, doing it in different places. If you have to assist your dog, just walk them in that direction. Don't walk and stand over it and say, "Here, here, here." We don't want to do that. They've got to learn to do some independence on their own. Um, like I said, a little bit of lead pressure is not a bad thing. Um, I like doing the hand scatters when they're not even around. Yeah. Then they're walking through that grass. You know, some some place they're gonna have to mm-hmm. come back to and then all of a sudden they're walking through and all of a sudden you see that big that big sin hook. It's like, whoa, what is that? And yep. they smelled it and now they're down there looking. Yeah. Yeah. So little things from eight to twelve weeks. Um twelve to sixteen weeks are very important. Um put as much on them as you can without stressing them out or out freaking them out. Like I said, that you gotta watch your dog, understand it. Um, I think we've covered some of the things that, that I like to do with mine. And then, you know, from four to six months is different. Um, that's when I start um, doing things a little bit longer in length and a little bit more um, stressful. Uh, like I said, loading, hauling them down the road, back back and forth, just, just things that we talked about. And then, like I said, six to 18 months, you just, you got, the thing that I want to emphasize is here. You're still working with a juvenile. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't expect great things, and they may do them. Like you know, uh, Houdini today. He's he's 18 months old, and I'm tickled to death. But so, his but I'm his not. 
<laughs> his behavior, his, your lead, yeah. <laughs> your, your four foot lead. <laughs> yeah. Used to be a six foot lead. Now it's yeah. a four foot lead. Um, but yeah, I mean, but he's got a lot, he's done a lot of inconsistencies. I mean, he's, yeah. he's starting to put it together and do what he's supposed to. So just remember that they're juveniles. Now I want to, one more thing I want to cover um, real quick. I am a firm believer I, in worming my dogs at two weeks, four weeks to six weeks, to, or it's two, four, five, whatever Nemec says on the bottle, we live by it religiously. Um, I'm not going to get into the whole vet thing about it, but I believe that when you deprive a growing dog of nutrition, that you are stunning its growth. Now, that's my opinion. And I've talked, we've talked to vets about it. I feel like it's very important. I, I can't tell you through my life with dogs that I've been very good about. I've wormed them, but the last couple years, I've been religiously worm it, worm it, worm it, worm it, worm it, worm it. I also believe in feeding a good quality food. Mm-hmm. Um, you can use supplements. I know you and I have talked about this. Um, this last week's podcast was about supplements oh yeah um you know i use the medicated goat replacement yeah milk. oh yeah i mean that's what i use um and i do it like i said it depends i've done some dogs up to six months old and then i do some dogs to you know three or four months old it just depends i, I look mm-hmm. at the dog i mean you can see my dogs they look I used, good i used it on them um you know feed a good quality food you want those growth plates and those bone structure you want all that stuff to develop like it should. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, go back to the confirmation of the dog. You know, I feel like if you provide them the nutrition and the health care that they need, you will you should get a better product. Yeah. And I'm a very firm believer in that. It'd be cool to talk to somebody about brain develop development and nutrition in the dog world. Yeah. Yeah. I think I know a person. Yeah. <laughs> I could probably know a couple. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I I I believe in it. Um I know everybody can't some people can't afford it. I get that. And like I said, Chris and then put out a podcast on stuff that you can use if you can't afford the other stuff. Um but do the best do the best by your pups you can. Um it's a commitment and I'm gonna continue to say that. You know, how committed are you? You know, what 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 kind of quality of product do you want at the end? And that all determines on your commitment to what you're going to put into it in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So, Leon, I hope that answers your questions. Um, like I said, that's from weaning age to six months old. Um, I'm sure that you probably do all these things already. Hopefully there's a tidbit or two in there that'll that'll help people along. And I hope that the hound community... Um, can take some of this stuff and and use it. The biggest thing that I want to emphasize is let the pup do it at its pup speed mm-hmm. because he's a puppy. And you know, you're I don't you don't I don't know where your dogs are coming from. You don't you may not know. You may be driving across the country to pick up a dog for somebody you really don't know. Um, you know, the mother the mother shape, how she's if she's stressful, you know, we talked about that in the podcast too. Yeah, but all that stuff plays into effect. If she's wild and crazy and running in out of the dog house and stomping pups and you're gonna you know. have a dog that's a handful. Yeah. Yeah. So So when you get there, you know, if you are driving across <clears throat> the country, 
take, watch mom. If she's a kennel pacer and she's real nervous and everything mm-hmm. else, you might have driven a long way, but maybe you drive home. Yeah. I'm just saying. Well, I, I'm I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell on myself, I'm guilty. A couple of years ago, um, went to pick up a pup, and when I got there, it was not what I thought it was going to be, and I took it anyway. Mm-hmm. And I kicked myself in the butt all the way home because I felt guilty. I didn't want to say no. Right. But I told myself after that venture, never again. Mm-hmm. Do not do that. If, if people get mad at me because I said, you know, this is not what I want, I, I'm I'm sorry. I don't mean to offend you or make you mad, but this is not what I want. I'm the one that's got to feed the thing for the next ten, twelve, fifteen years. That's right. And you are too. You you guys are the one feeding it and taking care of it. So you got a huge time investment. You got money invested. Uh, you know, in the care of that dog. If you if you don't feel right about it, then. And the other thing is, um, don't don't buy into cookie cutters. You know, my pups my pup's been doing this. Maybe even it's a litter mate. You know, you know somebody's got a litter mate pup to the one you bought, and they're posting on Facebook. He's a wonder pup. Don't get freaked out about it. You know, if they're if they're still in that developmental stage, you don't have anything to prove to anybody. I would rather have solid finishers than early starters every day. Yeah, but again, if the you know I'm gonna go back to Bart's pot. If the genetics are there, it's gonna work itself out. Yep, it's gonna work itself out. Um, I I truly believe that. And the more, like I said, the more I learn on the the law enforcement side, like the more I, it opens my eyes mm-hmm. to things. And you know, I mean, I see things now that ten years ago I didn't have a clue. Fifteen years ago I was dumber and dumb. I didn't have, you know, I was the one leading those dogs around that wouldn't shut up, that was doing this and was doing that, um, and had no idea other than giving them a good thrash and what to do with them. Yeah. I mean, that's that I hunted them. I hunted the hair off of them. Yeah. But I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. Right. So Leon, hope that answers your question. Chris, you got something to add? Nope. Hope that answers, you know, helps you along. Um, guys, if there's something in particular that you want us to talk about, I'm open to suggestions. I can't promise you that we'll get it. Um, we've got a lot of people lined up and trying to fit things in here and there. Um, but we want to bring you good stuff. We want to bring you solid information. And just know that, you know, I'm going to continue traveling around. Um, had a good week in HITS, learned a lot of stuff. In the- what is HITS? You've said it You've said it a couple times. It's Handler Instruction Training Seminar. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, it's like a big expo with yes. classes, breakout sessions and classes that talk about certain parts yeah. of training. And everybody asks me, why didn't you take your dog? This is not a hands-on. This mm-hmm. is a classroom setting. This is where you go in and you learn from some of the top premier trainers in the world. Yeah. You know, when I say the world, I mean the world. Like I said, one of the best classes I sit in, I've already said it, was um, the combat tracking class, which is I already we already do a lot of the things, but, man, I picked up so much more detail. And I hope to have this, this fellow on in the near future a wealth of information and i think it would be good because he's tracked in so many different environments from the desert to the the rainforest humidity dry sand like he has traveled all over the world yeah yeah and um yeah i'm I'm working on it i'm i'm hoping to have him on in the near future and i believe that one will be a really good 
uh, learning experience for me because, like I said, I I spent a lot of time with him after class. Yeah, he probably got tired of seeing me, but uh, you know, I I, I'm, I I I thrive for that knowledge. Mm-hmm. So, all right, guys, thank you for joining us on the journey, and as always, um, hope you find a way to teach, train, and learn.